From Greenville, South Carolina, we present... Let the Bible Speak. Let the Bible Speak is the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, preaching Christ in all His fullness. This broadcast of Let the Bible Speak, featuring messages preached by Dr. Alan Cairns, founder of Let the Bible Speak Radio Ministries. This week, Dr. Cairns continues a series of studies on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, a subject of vital importance for the Church of Jesus Christ. We'll hear from Dr. Cairns in just a few minutes. First of all, we invite you to enjoy this devotional thought from the pen of C.H. Spurgeon, found in his collection called Morning and Evening. This morning's text is found in the third epistle of John and verse 3. For I rejoiced greatly when the brethren came and testified of the truth that is in thee, even as thou walkest in the truth. The truth was in Gaius, and Gaius walked in the truth. If the first had not been the case, the second could never have occurred. And if the second could not be said of him, The first would have been a mere pretense. Truth must enter into the soul, penetrate and saturate it, or else it is of no value. Doctrines held as a matter of creed are like bread in the hand, which ministers no nourishment to the frame. But doctrine accepted by the heart is as food digested, which by assimilation sustains and builds up the body. In us truth must be a living force, an active energy, an indwelling reality, a part of the warp and woof of our being. If it be in us, we cannot henceforth part with it. A man may lose his garments or his limbs, but his inward parts are vital and cannot be torn away without absolute loss of life. A Christian can die, but he cannot deny the truth. Now it is a rule of nature that the inward affects the outward, as light shines from the center of the lantern through the glass. When, therefore, the truth is kindled within, its brightness soon beams forth in the outward life and conversation. It is said that the food of certain worms colors the cocoons of silk which they spin, and just so the nutriment upon which a man's inward nature lives gives a tinge to every word and deed proceeding from him. To walk in the truth imports a life of integrity, holiness, faithfulness, and simplicity, the natural product of those principles of truth which the gospel teaches and which the Spirit of God enables us to receive. We may judge of the secrets of the soul by their manifestation in the man's conversation. Be it ours today, O gracious Spirit, to be ruled and governed by thy divine authority, so that nothing false or sinful may reign in our hearts, lest it extend its malignant influence to our daily walk among men. Thank you. 
If anything is obvious in this modern society, it is that people are confused, frightened, and uncertain about the future. Where does one look for the solution to the universal problems of guilt, doubt, and temptation? A number of years ago, Dr. Alan Cairns produced a booklet entitled A New Beginning, which deals with such questions as, How may I have my sins forgiven and my guilt removed? How may I be sure that I possess eternal life and that I am not deluding myself? And how may I enjoy the Christian life and live above constant failure and frustration? Dr. Cairns answers these questions from the Word of God. A new beginning is for inquirers into the nature of the Christian message of salvation and for Christians desiring to gain a good grasp of the first principles of the gospel. It is useful for both personal use and for group study and discussion. For a free copy of A New Beginning, you may call us at 864-244-2408. That's 864-244-2408. You may email us at info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. If you prefer regular mail, simply write, Let the Bible Speak. 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. Just ask for your copy of A New Beginning, and we'll be happy to provide it. Today on Let the Bible Speak, Dr. Cairns continues to deal with Paul's words in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 13, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, part of this series on the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. As Dr. Cairns has shown, Paul is teaching here that it is by regeneration that the Holy Spirit brings us into vital union with Christ. Further, by this act, all who are born again are brought into union with all who are in Christ. In the light of that, there should not be divisions within the body over interpretational differences. In addition, it is God's intention that the church should function as a body, not as a group of individualists. Every Christian should be part of a local assembly. The Bible knows nothing of isolationists among the people of God. Now Dr. Cairns will continue this message, Baptized by the Spirit, into the body of Christ. We are justified by faith. We become God's children by faith. It is not by any other act. It is not by baptism. It is not by repentance on its own. Though don't get me wrong, I'll be preaching about repentance tonight. 
Repentance is the one side of the coin. Faith is the other. But there are people like those who have been taken up with uh, that wicked system known as Romanism that have made repentance a separate thing from faith. And they have worked out a whole system of penitential works by which they hope to enter into Christ. It is by faith that a man is saved. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. God save us from ever departing from the simplicity of the gospel in that vital area. But you see, what Paul is dealing with here is not primarily our experience of forgiveness and justifying power, etc. He's going to the root of that experience. He's going to the cause of that experience. He is going to the great fundamental spiritual reality. In other words, he is saying that lying back of our faith, lying back of our decision, lying back of our coming to Christ, Lying back of the first step that we ever took to the Son of God, there is a mighty action of God in His sovereign grace and power. I would to God that that branch of Christian doctrine would be preached by preachers today. I would to God that it would be realized that salvation is not experienced merely by any decision of the flesh. Salvation is not entered into by anything that man can do working upon his own depraved will. Salvation is experienced by faith, and that faith is the product of a prior gracious work of God. My friend, unless we get God back into the gospel, our churches are going to be in a sad way. We have bred a race of pseudo-Christians. The old Puritans spoke of them in many ways. People who had merely taught duties. They had been taught to do this, do that, do the other thing. Pray this, pray that, pray the other thing. And duty will lead to salvation. That's not the gospel. It's time that we got God back into the gospel. It's time that we got the sovereign grace of God back into the gospel. It's time that we realize that the first act that will do a man good is always God's act. By that will lead us to pray that God will act. And when he does act, there are always the most blessed results following. But this act of God is specifically the act of His Spirit. Last time we looked at this, it was quickening, bringing light to the believer. Now, here's another description of it. It is baptizing the believer into the body of Jesus Christ. Now, let's follow this through in the Scriptures a little bit. And I say a little bit because I'm turning now to a couple of Scriptures that I read together. But if I were to preach on them, it, they would need a whole series of messages in themselves. Romans chapter 6. Put your finger in there. And then turn over to Galatians chapter 3, 27. And mark that so that we can read them together. 
Now, I don't want to offend your susceptibilities. You may be a good, strong Baptist. I don't want to tramp on your toes unnecessarily. And I'm not fighting with you because you believe in immersion. I have been immersed, so I'm not going to fight with you over it. But, some people, every time they read the word water, think it means baptism. And that's not just Baptists think that. Every sacramentalist that has ever come to hurt the cause of Christ has believed the same thing. It doesn't matter whether it's uh, adult baptism or infant baptism. Every time they see water, it means baptism. It doesn't necessarily mean baptism at all. Then there are others, and every time they see the word baptism, they think it means water. And I have news for you. You watch it carefully. In the epistles, when baptism is spoken of, more often than not, there is not the slightest reference to water at all. Now, I know that at most baptismal services, Romans 6 is read. I'm not going to fight with anybody over that because you can take it that the physical act of water baptism is in some way typical and declarative of the spiritual act of spiritual baptism. But never try to read water into Romans 6. Watch it carefully and you'll see why. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Galatians 3.27 As many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Here is a baptism... And everyone who receives it has put on Christ. In Romans 6, here is a baptism, which is a baptism into the death of Christ and the coming forth in the resurrection of Christ. Now again, I point out that there is no baptism known to man by virtue of which you go down into the water, a sinner, and you come up a saint of God. But there is a baptism. The baptism by the Spirit of God that takes a soul and puts him into Jesus Christ. And infallibly, that baptism means eternal life. It is the inception, the very first beginnings of that everlasting relationship 
which the Christian has with his Redeemer Christ. Now, in Romans 6, I haven't really time to go through that. I have mentioned it so many times in the past and threatened to preach on it so many times. Maybe I should do it some of these occasions. But all we have time to note this morning is that by, watch Romans 6 very carefully, note the force of Galatians 3.27 we have put on Christ, by the action of the Holy Spirit of God, we are so united to Christ that in the truest possible sense, we are one with Him, so that we are regarded as being personally invested with all the merit of His death and all the power of His resurrection. This is speaking of the legal, objective, real oneness of Christ and His people, so that on Calvary our great head died, satisfied God, and opened heaven. And in God's sight, in Christ, we died. All the wrath of God that can ever be poured upon those who are in Christ has been poured upon their head. Therefore, we can say with Romans 8 and 1, there is now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Not that God has abrogated the law, but that God has fulfilled the law in visiting its penalty upon our living head, the Lord Jesus Christ. When the Lord Jesus rose again, in Him we rose. When the Lord Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, Ephesians 2 says, we sat down with Him. We are personally regarded as being invested with all His merit. There's the ground of our acceptance. If God imputes the merit of Jesus Christ to me, then I need no other argument. I need no other plea. It is enough. Oh, I would to God we would learn the meaning of that word. It's enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. When God imputes the merit of Christ to me, he accepts me as he accepts Jesus Christ. When God invests me personally with the power of the resurrection of Christ. He says, first in this life there's victory over sin, and second in the life to come there's an open gate to glory that no power in heaven, earth, or hell can ever shut in the face of a believer. Why? Because we have been brought into vital union with Christ. We live in Him. Oh, that God would stamp that on our heart. What peace it brings to a believer to know I am not laboring for acceptance with God. I am not working to make God think better of me. 
I am not laboring to get a place in glory. I have all those things by virtue of the all-sufficient work of Jesus Christ, to which there can be no addition. I now labor not in order to acceptance, but because of it. Sometimes human psychologists talk an awful lot of rubbish. Sometimes they stumble upon a segment of truth. Those who like to think themselves expert in child-rearing are forever telling us, and if you're fool enough to go to all the seminars on child-raising, well, you've more time to waste than I think. But uh, if you've done that, you'll find that they're fond of telling you that an atmosphere of love, an atmosphere of acceptance, an atmosphere of unconditional Conditioned acceptance and love is the best atmosphere in which obedience and reciprocal love and respect will grow. There's a lot of truth in that. And I say that because that's how God deals with his children. Oh yes, he knows how to discipline disobedient children. But it's done with a father's love. God does not deal with Christians as many preachers would like you to believe. I've had more people come to me and say, I've been brought up under this kind of guilt preaching that God has saved me, but he's standing right at my shoulder and he's got a big stick in his hand and if I air the slightest hair's breadth right or left, he's about to clobber me over the head with it to get me back in line. My friend, let me tell you, we need to recognize that the grace of God and especially the work of the Holy Spirit baptizing us into the body of Christ has united us vitally and eternally to the Son of God. He accepts us. And because of that, we love Him. Because of that, we serve Him. Because of that, We'll go any length and do anything that he would have us do. We're united to Jesus Christ. You've been listening to Let the Bible Speak, the radio ministry of the Free Presbyterian Church of North America. We hope you've enjoyed and benefited from today's program. We're here as your servants for Christ's sake. If we can be of any further help to you in the things of the Lord, we invite you to contact us. Our mailing address is Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. That's Let the Bible Speak, 1207 Haywood Road, Greenville, South Carolina, 29615. If you wish, you may call us at 1-864-244-2408. That's 1-864-244-2408. Our email address is info at faithfpc.org. That's info at faithfpc.org. 
If you would like to learn more about the Free Presbyterian Church of North America, we invite you to visit our website, www.fpcna.org. That's www.fpcna.org. This is Charles Kelch saying thank you for listening and inviting you to join us again as we Let the Bible Speak. (music) 